This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. Another big show coming your way very shortly. Richard Quayle is going to catch up with the man who has had an opportunity to test in the Indy Lights over the weekend. We speak of Hunter McElroy. We'll find out how that went and how his time with Andretti Racing is going as part of that test. Good luck to you, Hunter. We'll also have a chat to Will Brown, who had a fantastic weekend with his teammate and Bodie Kostecki and the Erebus team all together, really uh, getting behind each other. A couple of podiums and a fantastic weekend, week one at Sydney Motorsport Park. We'll find out how that all went down for Will Mark Walker and Richard Crowell as well to talk about the stories of the week. But let's head straight to Crowsey with our first guest interview. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Right, we love talking to our next guest. We've had him on the show before and he's had an exciting time of things in the last couple of weeks because the next step in his road to indie career progression kicked off at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm talking, of course, about friend of the show, Hunter McElroy. Hunter, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Krause. It's uh, it's good to chat to you again. It's good to chat to you as well, my friend. It's been a hell of a year for you. We'll, we'll recap on everything that's happened. A bit of a, a challenging 2021, but let's just go back a couple of days. You're at Indy, you're on the road course, and you're testing an Indy Lights car for the most successful team in Indy Lights in Andretti Autosport. Just... Um, paint the picture of what that felt like to get behind the wheel of that car with that team at that place. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. I mean, uh, it was kind of, I mean, in one way it was a little bit like thrown in the deep end. Um, obviously I was going to take it with both hands for sure. I mean, you don't get that tough opportunity every day. Um, but it was a two day official test that, you know, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which speaks for itself. Um, it was, uh, you know, pretty much all the season regulars were there, plus a lot of new guys. You know, some guys from F2 came over, mm. um, a lot of Europeans and things like that that kind of this test brings. Um, and for me, it was obviously an opportunity to get my feet wet in any lights, uh, obviously with Andretti Autosport, uh, which was very, very cool. Obviously, one of the most successful teams and and most well-known teams in the world so uh yeah i i was just so excited for that opportunity and um yeah i mean my first laps in the car was just it blew me away like 450 horsepower 500 horsepower total when you've got push to pass on um i didn't get to use push pass at the test because it's only for racing but mm. still i mean the power was just insane and just everything you know the downforce the grip um the turbo first time i driven with a turbo just the first i'll be lying on the first lap it's actually funny because there's a little you know it's obviously pretty much the closest thing you can get to indy car obviously so there's not much race cars really faster than it in the world yeah. and it comes with all these extra kind of little things like gear map and throttle maps and things like that so one of the procedures that i had to learn was the the gear map and basically it's every time a new ratio gear ratio gets put in so anytime you go to a new track you have to put it in a certain gear map and basically the ecu learns all the gears and what that does it it limits the car to 50 percent throttle and i was actually doing my gear learn process and like wow this thing's really fast (laughs) and then i remembered i I remembered i was at 50 percent throttle (laughs) and then and then when i took it off when i got the gear learn procedure done and went flat out i Mm. mean I was like, wow, this thing is fast. Yeah. And then it, it took, honestly, I was surprised. Like I had no expectations for the tests um, just to kind of, I just wanted to get comfortable. And I didn't know if that was going to take me all day, two days. And after about 10 laps, I was pretty much into it, you know? So um, yeah, just speechless, really. I loved every lap. And you were fast, mate. I think it, it's the strongest lights field, be it at a race meeting or a test that we've seen for a long time, 16 or 17 cars. Like you mentioned, some big names from the feeder categories and across from Europe. Uh, and you topped a couple of sessions. You, I think you were third fastest overall, correct me if I'm wrong, but 
only a couple of tenths from the fastest time. So really positive from a, a pace point of view. Oh, it was, yeah, incredible, really. I wasn't expecting to be up to speed so quick. The first session rained and uh, the big bosses and Andretti were like, we don't want you to learn the car on the wet. So I sat out the first session. I did an install lap and that was it. Mm. And then uh, the first session I did was, you know, mainly about learning and things like that. And even then I was, you know, P6 in my first session, which I was kind of happy with considering. And then, yeah, second session in the car, I put it P2, half tenth off the fastest. And I was kind of just like, wow, all right. You know, I felt a little bit like I was drinking through a fire hose in the sense of there was all <laughs> these new things. And I'll be honest, I was just driving by the seat of my pants, um, mm. trying to learn everything I could. And then, yeah, day two was great. Um, I went P1 in session five, um, which was awesome. Everyone put new tires on, which was kind of like a simulated quality session. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, ended up third overall. Um, for me, honestly, you know, you always want to go as fast as you can. I, I really wasn't focused on lap time. I was really just focused on getting used to the car. And for the last session, uh, we tried a little setup thing uh, that we wanted to work on just for me to kind of feel. Um, a few of my teammates had tried it. Some of them or most of them didn't like it, but you know, one of my teammates is like, oh, I don't know about it. And I honestly just wanted to try it. And, you know, it ended up being ideally maybe not the best for lap time, but it was great to kind of learn in that last session. So mm. um, the last session of the weekend was when I actually got pipped down a third overall. Uh, otherwise, you know, potentially I could have topped the test, but it is what it is. I'm not too worried about that, honestly. I think I showed what I need to show. And uh, yeah, I was, I impressed myself a little bit. You know, I just, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, honestly. And um it's pretty much a dream come true for me really just to kind of show up like that and be as competitive as I was uh, I think it made a few people I guess surprised or maybe some people get up and notice um so yeah just just really rap crazy honestly I mean Indy Lights car is a serious bit of kit and to be driving that now and um you know uh, a few years ago it just seemed like kind of unattainable really just even like when I was in Formula Ford, like the idea of driving an Indy Lights car was just so far beyond my wildest dreams. And, uh, you know, now I just did a test with pretty much the greatest or one of the greatest teams in the world at Indianapolis Motor Speedway and, you know, one of the fastest race cars in the world. So it's pretty wild. I remember watching you at Wakefield Park in 2018, mate. It's not that long ago, tearing around in a Formula Ford and copying Mick Ritter tear-ups and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Hey, um, the, the great thing about the road to Indy is it is exactly that. It's a pathway up through the various categories. But I'm interested in how you've sort of generated this relationship with Andretti Autosport because, like you say, they are the team to be in, both in Indy Lights but also, frankly, in IndyCar. They're, they're a championship force year in, year out. So how did you go about forging that relationship and getting to a point where either you went, come on, guys, give me a test, or they went, all right, we want you in the car? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of these things are, you know, obviously extremely uh, complicated and and far from kind of being a simple show up and saying, I want to drive, obviously. And, mm. you know, many people know that, but uh, it kind of all kind of really started when I won at Mid-Ohio uh, midway through the year. Um, and basically, I started off the year really strong and then had a lot of struggles mid-season, kind of dropped out or really did drop out of championship contention. Um, and then I basically steamrolled the second half of the year and you know, won a bunch of races, you know, basically dominated the second half of the year. And when I was kind of in the middle of that period, I actually went up and um, got introduced to Don Lambert, who's the team manager of Indy Lights, and basically just said, you know, look, I'd love to be in Indy Lights next year. Um, I'd love to be with you guys. You know, I'd love to kind of get this ball rolling and, and just – see where it leads and basically just telling him how badly I wanted to drive one of his cars and be in, in, in the team really. Um, and from there, you know, was winning more races and things like that. And um, this opportunity to test came up and uh, yeah, I took it obviously both hands and I'm very, very lucky because there was a lot of people at home, um, obviously my sponsors and backers, but also recently, you know, a lot of investors have come on board for me to try and make this thing happen. Um, 
which has been really, really cool. The kind of last few months, um, this new kind of investment program that's been started for me to try and get my foot in the door. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to drive a car without that. So uh, on top of that, you know, Andretti have been amazing, you know, trying to work with me to, to do something and make something happen. So, um, yeah, it's just been kind of both sides of the program has been awesome and, and probably, you know, something that I really couldn't have imagined to have been so good, really, you know, mm. especially at the low point in, in this year. Uh, obviously, I didn't win the championship. I got third. So um, the scholarship money would have been crucial and still is crucial. But to be in this position now, um, obviously, just getting to a driven one, I'm so grateful for because, uh, yeah, it was to date probably the best couple of days of my life being able to drive that car because it was, you know, something else. Yeah, that's superb to hear, mate. And it seems like Indy Lights, it's the time to be in it. Uh, news a couple of weeks ago that Roger Penske's taking over and has bought it in the family, as it were, and it'll be operated within the IndyCar ranks officially for next year. So that's great. And there'll surely be some investment that follows to keep building the grid and up the profile. So it strikes me that it's the right time to be in it. How close do you feel you are to being on the grid next year? I think it's a possibility. Um, for sure, a lot more possible than I probably originally thought. Um, you know, obviously, I'd love to be with Andretti because of obvious reasons. Mm. Um, you know, I uh, I think, like you touched on, the timing actually worked out great because Penske obviously have brought IndyCar back into obviously Roger Penske owning the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar Championship. Um, he also owns Indy Lights through that. So he's brought that back into the IndyCar family. Um, you know, there's nothing bad about that. Everything that Roger does kind of turns into gold. Obviously, he's a very, very successful businessman and amongst being, you know, all the other things he's done. Uh, so, you know, that just speaks volumes to the championship. I think, you know, prize money, all these things, you know, the calendar, the races we go to, everything gets boosted. Um, and that's not to take anything away from the Anderson promotions guys who have been running it because they've been yeah. just great as well. I have nothing bad to say about them. They've been awesome. Uh, and I've loved to have loved uh, racing under their banner. Um, but for sure, you know, I think Indy Lights is really on the up. Um, before the kind of COVID pandemic hit, you know, there was really only 10 cars at most. Um, and then, you know, at this test alone, there was 15. So uh, around there, I, I actually forget the, the number of cars, but way more than there's ever been. Mm. And, uh, you know, I know off the top of my head, three or four more cars um, that weren't ready in time for that test with people who are willing to drive them. So, you know, they could possibly be 17, 18 in a perfect world, if everything comes together, I've heard even 20 Indy Lights cars. Wow. So, um, you know, that's pretty much double what it's always been. Um, and with that, obviously, comes the exposure and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, it really is, for me, kind of perfect timing, really. Um, obviously, you want to be winning in a championship when it's kind of at its peak. Um, and for sure, you know, next year, if I can do a deal, hopefully, with Andretti, which... Um, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, if we can keep working hard with my backers and investors and, and um, kind of keep this trend going, potentially I could be in a seat. And for sure, I think there's no reason why I can't go and win the championship. Um, so, you know, I've obviously finished second and third in Indy Pro 2000 and USF, USF 2000. Um, so, you know, I've got one more left to achieve out of those the three on the box. So, uh, yeah, obviously Indy Lights would be the most important one to win. And I realize it's still a few steps away, but you, you look at the fact that of the Indy Lights graduates this year, so Kyle Kirkwood, he won the championship. He'll He's almost guaranteed to be in a seat at some point because he's got that big prize money that goes in to guarantee him an Indy start and a couple of other races. David Malukas uh, has been testing cars. Linus Lundquist has been testing cars. So, I mean, in, in really, Hunter, you and I could be talking in 12 months' time and you could be on the verge of an Indy car test. And... I remember sitting at your parents' house on the Gold Coast eating what I remember was an excellent butter chicken made by the lovely man, <laughs> and you telling me about your IndyCar dream and, and how desperately you wanted to get to this point. 
I mate, you, you're not that far away from it now. Does it feel tangible? Does it feel like something you can reach out and grasp and go, hey, I'm I'm actually doing this? Honestly, probably the most ever right now after I drove Vinny Light's car and was kind of far straight away. Um, you know, yeah, it does, honestly. Um, it's obviously so tough and brutal, this game. Mm. Um, as I've experienced you know, ups and downs and everything in between, but, you know, I'm still here and I still got this opportunity and, uh, yeah, I can't really, I honestly can't believe I got this far to be honest. I mean, I, I can, because I told everyone I was and what that was my, always my plan. But, mm. um, if I sit back and think of how tough it's been, you know, it's been crazy, you know, the journey to this point and it's only going to get me even, even crazier, but, um, in saying that, it's also been amazing too. I've won so many races. I've had so many poles, podiums, you know, won shootouts, won Australian championships. Just so crazy that to think, you know, kind of at 21 years old, obviously, um, how much I've kind of been through already. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that because I'm kind of just sitting there like, wow, like, yeah, I can see it honestly because I feel great in the car. If I can put the deal together for next year, I feel confident I can go and win the championship. Um, and then if I do that, then I'm I'm there, you know. So obviously it's way more complicated than that. But um, technically, if you simplify it like that, you know, it's it's the reality. So um, it's pretty crazy. But I like to kind of keep in the moment as well and yeah. saying that, you know, in between kind of races and particularly probably in the Christmas break is when I – kind of sit back and look at the big picture more than anything, but um, for sure in the middle of the season next year, or as soon as the season starts, um, I'll pretty well just be thinking on the task at hand and not as much about the, all the outside stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair enough. I'm just getting excited for you, mate. Uh, <laughs> let, let us, let us do that. You focus on what you're doing. We'll get fired up for the future and um, start booking our tickets to Indy 500 2023. Um, you mentioned the, the business side of things and the investor group coming in, and, and this is a model that's worked successfully for drivers that you know, one M Campbell, Jay Evans, amongst others. But I'm interested to find out how you've found managing the business side of it because it's a tough thing. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that you spend more time on a laptop sending emails and doing deals than you do behind the wheel of a racing car. So compounded by the fact that your folks are back here a lot of 90 percent of your supporters are all back here or in new zealand how have you gone with the admin side the management side the doing the deals the talking to people has that been a massive learning curve i would say it's funny that that's a really good point that you actually bring that up too because i would say throughout my career it's always been like that like when i was when i was like i around 10 years old or something. Um, I, I remember clear as day, my dad was talking about, I think we were driving somewhere and he's like, are you sure you really want to do this racing thing, mate? Because it's not all it's cracked up to be. And, you know, I'm 10 years old or whatever at the time. And I'm thinking, you know, you just show up at the track, win the races, get the trophies, yeah. and spray the good girls with champagne. That's all yeah. right. It's fun. Why wouldn't you want to be a race car driver? Yeah. Um, but obviously, it's not as simple as that as, as a 10 year old thinks. Um, and I remember him kind of explaining to me, you know, you know, you want to get to IndyCar. So you have to start off in Formula Ford that costs 150,000. I don't have 150,000. So who's going to pay for that? Mm. And I'm kind of like, Oh, and then he's like, then you want to go to say USF 2000 that costs 450 to half a million. I don't have money for that. And so on and so on and so on. And the, you know, the money it costs and all the, all the kind of, political financial side of racing and it was kind of like almost kind of like he was shooting down my dreams really and i was pretty disheartened mm. for for like a day and then what actually ended up doing was creating like this um supporters club and at the time i was doing like i was doing go-karting not seriously i mean at the time i thought it was serious but in hindsight looking at it i was in a go-kart that was, you know, some handy down go-kart three years old and showing up to the track two times a year on the same set of tires mm. against all these kids that there all weekend. And to, to me, that was, I mean, that was my 8500 back then, you know, I was nowhere near the front, but 
Um, I remember sending out a proposal, basically asking everyone. I basically sent a proposal on my dad's whole inbox, asking for a hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, and and what ended up happening is I got like a lot of people that actually gave me a hundred dollars. Wow. And and what I didn't realize at the time was it was really great way of starting a relationship with because you know my dad can't financially pay for my racing career at all Mm. um i mean his business and my mum and dad have given everything financially possible and sacrificed everything which i'll always owe them for um i would be not here without them at all but he wouldn't have been able to have you know bankrolled my career uh but there's a lot of great contacts that he has through motorsport, which I'm very lucky um, that, you know, potentially maybe other kids don't have a dad that's so well connected within the motorsport community. So yeah. what actually ended up happening out of that is I got so many um, great people who were supporting me, obviously a very little amount, but I've got two or three guys right now, you know, Doric on my helmet, who's a personal sponsor of mine. They, they were back sponsoring me back then a hundred dollars, you know? Mm. So, I've been building this network since I was literally 10 years old. Um, I could kind of argue in a roundabout way. Um, but the the funny side of it as well is is now this whole shares thing and, and people buying into my racing company, technically speaking, is I actually, it's funny because I'm actually not dealing with that as much because, you know, I'm very lucky. I've got a group of directors now um, who manage that side of my career, obviously. I'll be honest, I'm not the not that much into all the and don't have that much knowledge on the legal side of things and the finance side of things Uh, i know how much it costs and and all that obviously and very involved in that side of it but all the legal stuff is well beyond me so i'm very lucky to have uh grant sparks running that side of the thing alongside uh anthony gilbertson and and tim miles uh who are all kind of my directors along with my dad yeah Um, and they're they're basically my managers or whatever you want to call it um who kind of basically run that side of my racing career for me and uh they honestly are handling way more than i ever sorry way more of the kind of that side of it than i've ever had anyone else do really so it's funny obviously i'm still very involved you know talking to all my sponsors and i'm I'm super grateful for every single backer investor sponsor of mine because at the end of the day i wouldn't be doing anything without them but it's funny because it's almost like the higher I'm getting, the the less I'm involved. I mean, even last year, I was on the phone cold calling people. Um, you know, that's that's what it was like. I mean, mm. right now, I wasn't from kind of this time last year. I wasn't doing any driving until February. So, um, if things work out the way they are, I'll, I'll be in the car a lot more at the end of this year and early next year, which is super exciting. But sorry, kind of a long winded story. But no, no, it's um, but uh. Yeah, just kind of the truth, really. Yeah, and that's awesome. And and I'm glad you name checked those the the three gents, especially your your old man was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, so we've heard from Andy. But um, <laughs> it was good chat too. You should listen. Um, but um, Grant Sparks, Tim Miles, and and Anthony Gilbertson, who we know through racing. Um, for those that might not know, those three were heavily involved in the Matt Campbell program and the course of Jackson Evans program as well. So that's fantastic and uh, just awesome to see those individuals backing young drivers which i love um what's next for you so we're talking early november now um obviously racing season pretty much done over there as winter starts to descend on most of the country what's the program from here until say christmas and then looking forward into the new year uh yeah hopefully hopefully doing some more testing um the thing about the states now is most of it's starting to snow yep uh or, or for sure getting a lot colder it's like negative two where i am right now in wisconsin and uh i was going to ask I'm moving, you still in wisconsin yeah, yeah I'm, I'm moving to indy early next year which is yep. is cool um but uh yeah right now still in wisconsin with the paps team and it's uh starting to cool down a lot so that kind of makes testing difficult if you're not in florida basically mm-hmm. or place states it doesn't snow um so planning on doing uh hopefully some testing in the next few weeks kind of some more indie light stuff hopefully um which should be super exciting 
and yeah, I mean, I would, I would like to say I'm, I'm close, but uh, hopefully soon we can kind of get the ball rolling into next year and, and get everything squared away. That's awesome, mate. Great news. No, no dreams of a uh, Miami lifestyle. Perhaps we've had a couple of uh, American-based drivers on the show that love the the penthouse lifestyle overlooking Miami Beach. Is that your your future? Do you think? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Florida's great. I really like Florida. Um, it reminds me a lot of Gold Coast in a few ways. Like it's it's, it's different mm. for sure, but the the climate is super similar. Um, obviously, being kind of spending a lot of my life in gold coast growing up i'm used to the warm weather i kind of like that so the cold weather isn't maybe my forte uh but um it is cool to change the season but for sure i would say that the next few years definitely probably going to be based in indianapolis um yeah which is super cool because it's the biggest for me anyway I've never been to a place that's like such a races town. You know, I, I was there doing a seat fit before my, my, my test. And uh, a friend of mine invited me to this kind of golf outing and, you know, think nothing of it, go there. Every single person at this golf outing, you know, and it, and it wasn't even a racing get together, but every person apart from like three yeah. had something to do with racing. You know, this guy's, <laughs> this guy drives in World of Outlaws. This guy's a dirt midget driver. This guy's a front end mechanic. This guy's an IndyCar engineer. You know, yeah. everyone there is a racer in some way. So that's really cool. And I think for me, um, for the next few years, I'm really looking forward to that. Obviously, Indianapolis Motor Speedway is there for one um which is you know well known as the most bought the hello ground the yeah. world mm. yeah and then you know there's so many indycar teams there um and, and and plenty other stuff too uh but yeah i mean for sure maybe one day i could see myself going to florida uh hopefully if i do anything good in racing but uh for sure i would say the next at least three years i'd probably be based in indy which is also cool so yeah uh, hopefully Hopefully, in between all that, the restrictions at home get lifted and I can also get back and forth to see all my friends and family too. That'd be great. It would be, mate, and we'd love for that. At the very least, hopefully, you, your folks and your backers can get over there at some point and see you race in, hopefully, Indie Lights next year. Mate, thanks for jumping on. Really appreciate you giving us your time. We've loved following the journey so far. We'll continue to love following the journey as it moves on. Thanks for jumping on. Best of luck for hopefully some more Indie Lights testing and then hopefully some good news for a drive next year. Thank you, Krause. Uh Whenever Krause gives me a message to on the podcast, <laughs> it's always available. So uh, always love to chat. Thanks, man. Uh, you're very welcome, mate. Actually, we've got mutual sponsorship now because Doric uh, are on board sponsoring the race talk as well, which we love. Perfect. Uh, Hunter McElroy joining us here on The Grid. Richard Quayle, g'day to you. Hey, Shebexter, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Lovely chat there with uh, the young fella over in the States. He's going places, isn't he? Yeah, positive signs. Always cool when you get a chance to test an Indy Lights car at the Speedway, right? So, yeah, very cool. We'll talk more about young Hunter McElroy later on. But, yeah, cool interview. Very open, insightful, as I'm sure, Shebex, our next guest will be. Well, I'd like to call this guy young, but he seems to be getting older, I'm sure. He's been around for a while now. Uh, through the categories of uh, Formula 4 and then into, of course, the development series and now the, uh, in supercars. Ninth in the championship at the moment, which is a fantastic effort by Will Brown and a great weekend and a podium for him and his team and his teammate as well in Sydney on the weekend. The Airbus driver joins us now for a chat. G'day, Will. Congratulations. Hey, guys. Thanks for that. It was a great weekend for us. Mate, it was a spectacular weekend. You just seemed to... Uh, have form from out of the truck all the way through to the last lap. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, the team have done a fantastic job, uh, you know, over the break to really, you know, prepare the cars well. And we got that test day in on last Tuesday, um, a few days before uh, heading out there and um, and doing that. And I think that test day we had, we had planned so much stuff on that little bit of a three-month break that we, we got on top of the car. And uh, to be honest, we used a lot of a lot of the information we learned at the test day just for that weekend in Sydney. Will, put us in your shoes. You emerge from pit lane. You're 10 seconds or so 
behind Anton Di Pasquale. Do you have tire life in the back of your mind or are you flat out, let's just get to the back of him and then see what happens? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I said on the weekend, I'm a typical young bloke. I didn't even think about my tyres, but uh, <laughs> no, I did. Um, I came out of the pits, and obviously it's a tyre game around there. But for me, I knew I had four tyres, um, and I knew no matter how hard I went, I was I was coming second or first. If I blew the tyres off it, I, I was going to come second. Nobody was going to catch me, and um, if they were to hold in, I was I was going to catch Anton and have a crack. So, um, you know, I thought, screw it, let's get into it and uh, try and catch him. So, um, yeah, I, I pressed along. I was, you know, still not uh, what I'd call stressing the tyres too much. I wasn't getting much wheel spin or anything like that. I was being careful there, but I was still doing um, very good lap times. So I think I ran out of tyres about a lap or two before I caught him. And, um, you know, I still probably had a little bit better tyres than him. So I was able to get up on the back and rub him one time. But um, pretty much... I went from, you know, by the time I caught him and got in the hot air, you're a second slower. So if he wasn't there, I probably could have driven straight through him. But straight when you hit that hot air behind that car, you've got to make it happen pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, it, it's probably one of those things. Uh, maybe I should have sat a bit further back for a little bit and, and tried to, um, you know, cool the tyres down, see if I could have another crack or whatnot. But um, at the time, you're just trying to get past him and clear him as quick as possible. So uh, it's all a learning thing, but it was bloody cool to be racing for the win. I think... Um, Saturday, Saturday with the uh, mishap on the obviously wheel stop, um, we were even closer to him. So I feel like mm-hmm. with the four tires, we could have we could have potentially won that race. So um, you know, that would have been a pretty cool weekend if that happened. So how was the uh, the hard beating? Where you actually there must have been a point in your mind where you thought, "Should I could win this?" Yeah, yeah, there definitely was. I thought I, I sort of sort of forgot we were racing for, for the win for a bit there. I was so concentrated on just catching him. And then sort of when I caught him, I thought, shit, the, you know, I might be able to win this race. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just like I say, I sort of I got up on the back, rubbed him up once, and then within about a lap, I sort of, you know, I knew that the tyres were getting fairly hot and he was going to have to make a mistake or, you know, I, I do something very spectacular, I guess, to get him. And, um, yeah, so it just, you know, second was the best we could do that day. Was it was it a bit strange racing your former co-driver and your mate Anton for the win, given you've shared cars together at <laughs> yeah. Enduros and Bathurst a couple of years? Yeah, it was. I, I wasn't going to race him any easier than anyone else, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell you what, I didn't care who it was at that stage. I was going to be having a crack. So, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, it's one of those things. I guess a lot of us in, main, in, in the main series and that, you know, I, I seem to get along with everyone there. But once you put the helmet on, you know, you're racing, if stuff happens out there and people want to take it personally, it is what it is. I don't really, you know, mind too much. I'm out there to win races and, um, you know, I get along with everyone. So, you know, it was cool to be chasing Anton down and cool to be chasing against my, you know, racing against my old co-driver um, and, and doing that. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely was, you know, quite fun on that side of things, but uh, definitely going to race him hard. <laughs> but it's been one of those years where your form has been, I think inconsistent is probably a fair word. Every second round, you seem to do pretty well. The other rounds, they seem to be disastrous. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think we've been a little bit more cons- disastrous. Sounds very bad. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Sorry, disastrous is wrong. But <laughs> there's been there's been a lot of cases where you've been sort of around that top ten, and there's yep. been a lot of races where you've finished seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth. Yeah, I don't think there's been many lately. I think at the start of the year, no, no, you're uh, right. I can't remember when we've had a had a nineteenth. That's that's for sure. We've been quite uh, a lot more consistent. Um, like Townsville, we were I think twelfth, tenth, and then the first Townsville, um, I think we did have a hard one and a sixteenth and a fifth or something like that. And then Darwin, we had three top tens. Um, mm. Similar at Tail and Ben, you know, flying around. You know what what we found from the start of the season, we've been anywhere from a good weekend 7th to a bad weekend 15th. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just part of stepping up in the main game, to be honest. You, you're always going to um, have your good and bad weekends. And the team's obviously had a massive revamp, you know, with new engineers learning these cars. The car's not the same as last year. Like, I think the best in Erebus cars qualified around Sydney in the last three years is 8th. Um, so, you know, we've we've developed the cars. We've, um, we haven't just sat on our hands and been going off setups last from last year at all so um yeah there's always going to be a bit of inconsistency and uh probably also in my driving but you can see like i say um yeah i feel like uh, from where the season started to now even you know three top tens at darwin a fifth up at uh up at uh townsville and, and a bit more consistent you can see the consistency and the speed uh coming 
I think you, your tie life was obviously very, very good, Will, but I think the thing that surprised most people perhaps was your one lap pace on the weekend. Was Did you think you'd have that in the car to put the thing on the front row as often as you did? Yeah, well, it's one of those things. Like I say, we roll. Well, we actually rolled out of the truck practice one, and it was uh, it was terrible, to be honest. Mm. We we thought, what's what's going on here? But um, so a lot of the testing we did at the test day, um, we worked out that there was one thing that was probably making us struggle at a lot of tracks, um, and and we changed that and pretty much um, you know, got rid of that, and uh, straight away in practice two, we're up there, and then qualifying up there again. Um, so you know, it's something that we learnt and. Um, yeah, the, the car and the pace of it seemed seemed very good. Like I knew I, I knew I had very good pace, and after the first qualifying, I was confident for Sunday that we could back it up. And um, to be honest, I was probably just uh, a bit bit uh, of a pussy. I'd nearly say in the um, in the first uh, <laughs> practice in the first qualifying session on Sunday, um, I just didn't have. I, I thought uh, you know I wouldn't have the grip underneath me in probably those uh, hotter conditions, and I probably just underdrove the car a little bit. So. Um, yeah, had another crack in that second session and so, you know, qualified back on the front row. So it's just some of those little things where you see the inconsistency that some of those drivers, you know, I've probably done 2% of the driving in my life that Wind Cup or someone's done. So yeah. it, you're always going to see a little bit of that. But um, I feel like for a rookie, you know, we're, we're trying to minimise them and doing a great job of that. You and uh, Brody now have been together for a little bit, which uh, seems to be getting better for the team the, the more you guys are driving together. The the more the team is probably understanding you guys and the more you guys are giving that sort of response of, of that response that the team needs in regards to the cars. Yeah, that's right. Um, I feel like, you know, both of us feel probably feel like we've worked with our engineers for years now. We've got along great with them and um, it's just kicked off, you know, straight away from the start of the year. We all got along very well. Brody's, you know, extremely easy to work with. Um, you know, he shows that hard ass and he's a hard ass racer and everything like that. But as a teammate, I mean, him getting along, um, it's probably one of the best duos. Um, you know, I can see he's uh, he's happy when I go well and I'm happy when he goes well, you know. That pit stop on the weekend was disappointing for me in the first race. He got on the podium. I went up there to congratulate him at the podium and he ended up actually handing me the trophy and saying, no, this should be yours. Obviously, you know, I, I didn't accept the trophy, but... Um, mm. That's how we are. That's um. That's you know. That's not him putting on a show or me putting on a show. We're very happy when each of us are doing well, and and we want to push the team to the top. Yeah, so, you should have you should have accepted it and walked away and see. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what what's the process now, mate? So you, such a quick turnaround. You're going back to the same track, but with the hard and the soft tire. So the the tire conditions mix up a little bit. What's the process for you and the team to make sure that you can back up what you did last weekend on the soft? And do the same stuff, but but make that translate across to the the two tire compounds. Yeah, well, that's right. Obviously, um, you know, the soft. I think we're quite confident on. We'll probably do a, you know a bit of practice on that hard and and get our head around that. I think fundamentally, though, our car should be in the window. You you know, you see Triple Eight. If they put a hard tire on, they're still quick and that sort of stuff. So I think we've yeah. got overall a good a good car there, um, and it might just need a little bit of tweaking on the hard this weekend. Um, you know, we're just starting to go through stuff now. It's looking like it may be a little bit wet, which might make it interesting. And, uh, you know, you've got to drive, you know, to, to new conditions. Um, and also you've got, I think it's some, oh, I can't remember how many qualifying sessions. You've got three, four, five um, qualifying sessions with only three soft tyres, three yeah. sets of soft tyres. So, you know, when do you run your soft tyres or do you run all soft tyres because they'll be better than brand new hards? You know, it's, it's one of those things that this weekend – um, will be a little bit confusing, I think, in a way, and, and a few qualifyings, or do you run all your tyres on Saturday and hope it rains on Sunday? Like, it's just <laughs> one of those, you just don't know this weekend. So um, the, the best thing is, and, and like we've been saying, the best strategy is to have fast cars and we'll work it out from there. Do you leave all that stuff to the guys with the computers or do you like to have a little bit of an input into what happens? Um, I used to probably leave it a little bit more, but the, the step up from... From Super 2 to main game, uh, you know, I knew 2% last year of what I know already now um, that me and my engineer have worked extremely well. I know a lot about the car now, and that's probably been great with working with Brody is he's extremely switched on, a great mechanic and very engineer, uh, engineerly minded. Um, so, 
yeah, it, you know, we probably discuss it a lot, but with those tires and everything, you know, I've been going through with my engineer today, um, discussing how we, you know, how we might go about that and everything, because we'd like to, you know, know our plan for the weekend and, and what uh, sort of tire bank and everything we're going to have. So yeah, I'd probably say this year, um, definitely step me up in the main game. I know a lot more and I, and I cover a lot more of that, not just jump in the car. Uh, we'll just cast your mind forward in five weeks now. I think it's actually not that far away. We head up to Bathurst. You've got our little mate Jack Perkins jumping in alongside you. So there shouldn't actually be any height dramas between the two of you. I would have thought you'd slide <laughs> in, no, no seat inserts. Um, you must be excited about that. It's a good combo. He's a guy with more than 10 starts up there now and some success. So it, it looks like it's shaping up to be a really good package for you guys. Yeah, it's awesome. I think I said to Jack on the weekend when he's interviewing me, having a co-driver is like having a girlfriend. Some are high maintenance, some aren't. Um, so he, um, I think he's pretty low maintenance, Jacko. So um, yeah, he jumped in the car and said, um, said I fit in perfectly. You know, he didn't even want to change anything. Um, belts fit fit good, and uh, yeah, so so it's the perfect combo. Really, he's, he's the full package. He drives well. He's fun around the team and does everything there. So. Um, I'm feeling really confident heading in with Jack. And like I say, just not having that seat insert or all that other things to go through, we can just practice our driver changes without the seat insert, without mucking around anything there, get them down pat and uh, concentrate on what we've got to do. So I'm looking forward to that side of things, definitely. Six weeks away with the team, how lucky and, and how much of an advantage is it for you guys to have done this last year? As in last year, if we did it last year or... Oh, no, being away for a period of time and the like. Being on the road. On the road, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, on the road now. Um, yeah. yeah. For us, I, I think it's actually quite positive for us. A lot of the other teams have been together, obviously, for years, um, as you can see. But for us, I was I was looking forward to, um, you know, obviously for the team, it's, it's hard for some of the guys who have families and everything. You, you feel for them there for coming away. But for me to get six weeks on the road with them, talk to them every day, work with them and do everything. Um, I think it'll definitely set us up to head into next year, um, you know, really strong. And we're already seeing that at the, this first weekend. So, uh, you know, we, we're really confident. And like I say, the six weeks on the road is good for me, I think. Uh, between rounds, do you get a chance to sneak out to Bankstown or somewhere and pop up in a light aircraft for a bit, <laughs> of, a bit of a tour around? What's the go? Yeah, I've uh, I've been thinking of hitting Crompo up to take yes, out these. Uh, yeah, that's all I thought. But uh, no, nah, I've actually been in contact, so I haven't done anything this week. But I'm sure over the next four weeks, I'll um I'll be looking for a plane to get up in and have a bit of a burn around. Otherwise, I might forget how to do it. I reckon if you hit up Nathan Prendergast, there's got to be a there's story, a story. for yeah. one of the weekends for sure. <laughs> yeah. You and Crompo are going to be playing together. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We should do that actually. Oh, I reckon that that'll definitely happen. So, mate. Uh, what, ha- what happens now for the next few weeks is just head down, bum up and just do your absolute best. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, we're racing so much. You know, me and Brody have had probably two days off this week, done a few bushwalks. We're staying up in Katoomba, like I told you recently. So a lot of nice hiking around here and we've got our bikes here. So this morning we went out for a you know hour and a half hike and then lunchtime we went out for an hour ride and just uh, keeping fit, um, you know, crew cruising around and just doing all that sort of stuff uh, right now to get ourselves just ready for the weekend and relax a little bit. So, um, yeah, there'll be, there'll be, you know, a couple of days off a week, but uh, when we're action packed, we're action packed on the weekends and uh, there for long days. Good on you, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Congratulations for the weekend, a spectacular one for the team. And hopefully that continues for the next few weeks. Thanks heaps. Appreciate it. Will Brown from Erebus Racing joining us here on the grid. Welcome back, Richard. Good young kid, Will Brown. He's got a big future ahead of him. Yeah, I like him. Uh, it's been a good story, hasn't it? And I think we've all followed the journey through Formula Ford and then Formula 4 and uh, Super 2 and Toyotas. And he's one of those kids that's driven everything and been fast in everything. So it was almost no doubt that he was going to be good at supercar racing. And it's turned out that way. You, you were pretty harsh, though. Like, I was, wasn't I? I didn't oh, realize mate, how harsh I was. You used the term disaster in reference to some well, of his results this year. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, Tickford, yes, but not Will Brown. Jeez, that, that, it was rough. I thought yeah, he no. dealt with that very well. Played it with a straight bat and 
was waiting, for him, I was actually waiting for him to hang up on us. Yeah, I know. I was, that was <laughs> that was brutal. But anyway, well, well, well done. I was only going based on the fact that, and, and seriously, Bathurst they started off sixteenth and fourteenth. Yeah, that's where they finished. Sorry. Yeah. Two sixteenths at Sandown. Yeah. A fifteenth at Tasmania. A twenty fourth at Taylor Bend. Yeah, and 18th since, at Townsville. But since then, he's gone fourth. Since fifth, then, he's been fantastic. Fourth, eighth, tenth, a blip in Townsville in 18th, fifth, tenth, Dan F, fifth, 11th, second. Like, he'd be fifth in the championship with those results. Anyway. And Mark, and Mark Walker's, I welcome you. I'm sure, I'm sure someone's not ninth in the championship unless they've got some good results. Thank you, Tanish Becky. I tell you what, that would have to be one of the best team results for Erebus ever. Yes. And I mean, that's this is coming in a season where we had zero expectations for them. We thought that they were going to be pay nowhere. Here mm. we go after the big holidays. They've come back and they've pulled out of the hat their best ever team result for two cars to have such a solid weekend. It's fantastic and you know, really does set them up for the next month. It was the, the story of the weekend, wasn't it? We all expected that DJR would ultimately come back to the kind of form that they've had for the last four or five years. But Erebus doing that, and the fact that they had a car one car in contention for podium in every single race, but yeah. more than that, they had both of them really mm. in the mix. That for mine was the most impressive thing. I, I thought that was an awesome story. You speak about it being impressive weekends for a team. That was probably one of the, and I'm, I might stand corrected here as well, but that was probably one of the more impressive weekends for DJR as well as a team with for a both long time. cars really up the top. Yeah. yeah. There've been times when there'd been times when Fabian races where Fabian and Scotty were good, but as an overall round, I reckon that was probably one of DJR's better rounds for a few years. Yeah, with with the fullest of respect to Fabs, it did feel like a single car team last year, didn't it? For a, for a lot of time. Um, no, you're right, a- absolutely. And and doesn't your heart break for Will Davison? He just utterly deserved that oh, race win, yeah. but uh, but it was Rob there. But either way, um, Anton was magnificent. That was the kind of performance. I said this to someone else on the radio the other day that I think um, we've all known Anton's had this in him and we know the team's had it in him, but it was probably the weekend Anton needed more than the team because he's been he's been hailed as the next big thing in supercars, hasn't yeah. he, for a long time. Like, this guy is going to be great. Larco's been on the bandwagon for years, justifiably so. Everyone's been going, oh, Anton Di Pasquale is going to be huge. And he's been good, but there's never really been a moment where we've sat back and gone, oh, that's, as Mark Scaife is fond of saying, the next Scott McLaughlin. So, but that was the weekend. Confidence and, is a big thing. In that and day. for mine, Mark, qualifying, you add up his pole margins across three mm. qualifying sessions and it's 1.5 seconds. It's enormous. And that's Scotty territory, isn't it? Mm. And. I mean, he's just did such a good job. But what could have been had he not fluffed the start in that race that yep. will end up being at the front? It could have been a three-peat for the weekend. Mm. Um, really does set up a very interesting whatever happens next. And this coming weekend, a um, bit of a change in format. Uh, All-night racing, Saturday night, two races Sunday night. A uh, bit of a change in the format too. They've got uh, 12 softs and 12 hard tyres. So that's going to mix things up. But, of course, you know what's going to happen? Schedule to rain. Mm. Thunderstorm <laughs> schedule for Sunday. So, uh, Which will be good at night. Oh, yeah. It'll yeah. be interesting <laughs> night racing. Yeah, brilliant. But, you know, and safety cars come into play there too. So that sort of really does open up the whole field. And that's what we need is a bit of bit of weather, something to mix it up because we can't have four weekends straight the same thing, can we? Well, as Will said in our interview just then, that the, the question mark is, if you are convinced it's going to rain on Sunday, which, to be fair, this time of year in Sydney, it's sort of a thing, the four o'clock thunderstorm. Yeah. Um, you, you burn your soft tyres on Saturday and possibly race two of the weekend on Sunday afternoon before that Sunday night race. Mm-hmm. So you, you could find teams taking that risk that they will torch their softs as much as they can in those early races in the knowledge or the thought or hope or prayer or whatever it might be that it will precipitate Sunday night and we'll get some wet weather supercars racing. I hope it does though. That'd be spectacular. Um, but saying that, if it stays dry, the hard tyres will amplify problems you've got because you can sometimes lean mm. into the soft tyres a bit more and get away with a bit more uh, sort of handling dramas with your car. And you know what else we've got left to look forward to? Commentators talking about tyres. I don't know if we had that on the weekend. <laughs> Did they mention tyres at all? Not enough. Yeah. <laughs> Great. It's, yeah. it... Shane's tyre was probably the most mentioned, wasn't it? 
But it, sorry, what what was the one? The Shane Shane Van Gisbergen's tie that broke oh, up. Yeah, inside. but not I even about really ties. Not even about ties breaking up. Just yeah, tie deg tie life tie deg tie life. Yeah, look, it, it's it's funny, isn't it? it it's so important to promote producing good racing, especially at Sydney Motorsport Park. But it's so frustrating that it just takes away from the narrative of the motor racing because all you end up talking about is the tyre. And I was working on Grandstand for the ABC on the weekend and that audience does not care what a soft tyre does compared to a hard or a soft tyre deg. So it was really challenging trying to explain that racing to a neutral audience, who 90% of which are not motor racing fans, um, how that, how the whole thing worked, but how intrinsic the whole results of every mm. race were tied to tyre condition. So it's a problem the sport needs to deal with at some point. And now whether that it's a car thing as well, that hopefully the new car will promote better racing without having to rely so much on tyre degradation as a factor but but global motorsports like this at the moment it's it's mm. so tyre dependent can i say to you also that no one heard your finish on grandstand because they're all tuned here in melbourne to 3rw so unfortunately about that i but. don't think they worship x i think the grandstand summer grandstand on the abc was listened to by an enormous well, audience radio well, yeah. well, like if it. there's if there's any community radio stations or me as a some sort of guest <laughs> panelist <laughs> uh it's a shame, but you, one would think that Shane Van Gisbergen has won the championship at this point. 300 and something points ahead. They're not going to catch him, are they? No. No, it, it will take a catastrophe of some hope, description. I actually hope it gets wound up and done by the final round in Sydney and yeah. then Bathurst can just be fully... Let's yeah, focus I'm, on the I'm of Bathurst. All about that. I'm yeah. all about that, especially now. I, I'd rather... It would be better if that happens than he goes into Bathurst 295 points in front. Yes, correct. Because that narrative would still be there, but it really isn't, and it would never happen. And, yeah, I, I, I'm all for it being wrapped up around early. And at this rate, it certainly will be. Um, because Triple Eight, they put hard tyres on their car, they're fast. They put soft tyres on their fast. No, they weren't the fastest cars on the weekend, but he's still got more points than anybody out of the three races. Yeah. So it's doesn't seem to matter what they do at the moment. He, They managed to pull very, very strong results one way or another. But are we going to see the tick, Tickford syndrome from Townsville oh, where they were yeah. nowhere week one in Townsville, then suddenly week two, they absolutely smoked them. And mm. they found a bit of pace there in that third and final race. Was it just tyre life? Was it something else that they found? But that's the, the thing. They've now got all this information in their bank. They can sit there and think about it during the week. And they come back and get another do-over this weekend. So the teams that absolutely had a fail last weekend, like Tickford, or you know, Jamie could find something during the week sitting down thinking about it because they've got bugger all else going on in their lives. They're just sitting there thinking about this track that they're based at. It'll be interesting to see if anyone is able to find something and, and turn it around. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting. The Tickford thing's so frustrating. I'm not a Tickford fan. I'm completely neutral. But just as an observer of the sport who wants, especially car six, but all of them up the front, the yeah. sport is better when Cam Waters is competitive every race. Bathurst last year, Bathurst this year, um, Tail and Bend. It, it's, you know, Townsville too. The sport needs that team to be competitive. It needs Cam Waters at the front. They rock up one weekend and they're an amazing racing team with cars at the front of the field. And the next weekend they go completely missing in action. And this has happened time and time and time again. And it drives me mad. And, and I'm sitting on the fence here. I can't imagine what it would be mm. like for those guys were and girls working in that team. It must be crazy. And they got shown up by Tim Slade once again, the cool drive yep. entry. Yep. And, and it's come out this week that Tim Slade's down a mechanic and can only do two tyre stops. Amazing. They couldn't even bolt four tyres on the thing in the stops. And he's still got three top tens and smoke Tickford. Yeah. Oh. Yep. They're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to do the four, four tyres this weekend though, aren't they? Mm. When yeah. they go from a soft to a hard. Mm. Because you can't mix and match your oh. soft and your hards. Maybe they can. I don't know. If anyone in the uh, Sydney Western suburbs is looking for a job as a tyre changer. If anyone's <laughs> got an experience whipping tyres off cars, yeah. <laughs> There'll be a few blokes in Sydney that have that experience, I reckon. It's such a good story, though. Like They've slammed home, what, eight top 10 finishes in the last 10 or 11 rounds, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, really yeah, up up to up to thirteenth in the championship. They were comfortably quicker than the Kelly Grove cars on the weekend. So you'd think that Heimgartner and maybe even Courtney, given how poorly Tickford are going, are in are in sight. So all of a sudden you're eleventh in the championship, and you've got Brody Kostecki and Will Brown directly in front. So anywhere near the top ten, especially given they got zero points from round one after the the well publicised, well talked about crash. Yeah. That'd be an enormous result for a little little single car squad that absolutely smoked the, the big Ford team in Tickford Racing on the weekend. Yes, I was going to just say before they started the season with a bang, and then I realised I better not say that because it's actually correct. Well, factual. But, but Qualified second, and then, yeah, unfortunately, the, the big crash that knocked them out of that race at Bathurst. Uh, other things that have been happening in the paddock, this Dave Reynolds scenario is interesting. And, and once again, we will clarify... That we record this on a Tuesday evening. No, it's not. Well, it's a Wednesday this oh, week. It's a Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, so, we had, oh, well, we we had a public holiday then. on Tuesday. Uh, that's right, because of Cup Day here in Melbourne yesterday. That's right, for our people listening are, to us. Are, you, are Europe, you going all right, Chebex? Like you, you pulled up all right? No, no, all right, good. All good. Yeah, good. Yeah, good, probably good. wasn't yesterday, but glad we did it today. Uh, for those people in Europe listening to us through uh, Radio Show Limited's RS1, yes, we do get a public holiday here in Melbourne for a horse race. We don't get one for Bathurst, and Bathurst this year is going to outrate the Melbourne Cup on TV. I, that's, there should be a national public holiday the Monday after the Bathurst 1000, Wouldn't not the be... hangover-induced Bathurst 1000 day off the Monday after the Bathurst 1000. Wouldn't that be spectacular? As it's we go to where, though, the news is, and we just have had a statement released from Kelly Grove Racing, basically stating that they're waiting for the investigation to be done by the Department of Health in New South Wales as to what may happen to their driver, Dave Reynolds, allegedly, who uh, may or may not have had the correct paperwork in regards to uh, an exemption for vaccination. All drivers, all staff, everybody who entered Sydney Motorsport Park on the weekend was expected to be double vaccinated unless you had an exemption. Dave did, but there's some question marks around the validity of that at the moment. We'll find out more as it comes to hand. Boys, your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's a it's a difficult one. And for those that may not have followed the whole vaccination and sport story, while Sydney car uh, while supercars Sydney cars, it's probably ironic, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, while supercars have not made it mandatory that everyone in the paddock be vaccinated, Sydney Motorsport Park, as a New South Wales government owned venue, has. So to be in that venue, you have to have a vaccination and those on the ground on the weekend reported that it was very, very aggressively checked as you came in. You, There was no way to enter that venue without proving your vaccination status. Now, I don't care whether you agree or not with that process, but that is the process. That is the deal. If you're don't, if you not double jab, you're not getting into Sydney Motorsport Park. MZ's um, laws. Yeah. Now, it's it's been reported that, suspected that Reynolds crossed the New South Wales Queensland border or the Victorian border with a medical exemption from getting that COVID jab. Um, But what they're checking now, what's been brought into question is that the validity of that exemption is, is being looked at. So Kelly Grove racing has said they can't comment until they've had feedback from New South Wales health. Um, they did say we've got the highest standards of compliance and we expect the same of everyone who works for us. Supercars have said in a brief statement that all competitors at City Motorsport Park are compliant with COVID protocols, which is a reasonably open-ended one. While New South Wales Health told motorsport.com, uh, New South Wales Health is providing advice to supercars to ensure that all participants meet the vaccination requirements and the events proceed in a COVID-safe manner. So, no one has accused Reynolds of any wrongdoing at this point and at, at the time of recording. So we need to be very, very clear on that first, that that this isn't a, a jury on his no, vaccination viewpoints or anything, but but he's allegedly the driver that is being talked about and that is what the current situation is. So it, it's a real challenge. It's, it's a massive challenge for the sport to navigate this. And it's the first time that our game has had to deal with this because all the other codes have had these questions arise already. There's been a massive um, drama over here in South Australia. One of the Adelaide Crows AFLW players, who's also a registered nurse, 
has been publicly on record saying she doesn't want to get vaccinated. So she's been stood down by AFLW. She can't play. She's been stood down from her job in a hospital as well. Um, and that's generated a lot of press. So it, it's a significant story for supercars that will be navigated this week. And there'll be a resolution before Saturday morning. Cause if he's in the car at practice one, then it's okay. Yeah. If he's not, it's not. So to get that COVID jab exemption, basically there's very strict rules in place. It's not that you have views one way or the other, or you just don't want to do it. You've got to have, uh, you know, meet criteria that you react badly to the ingredients of the COVID vaccines, or you've got very bad anaphylaxis uh, reactions to things, which really does limit it down. They, I read somewhere that it was one in 50,000 people uh, pretty much eligible for it. So it's not something that's widespread available that you can just roll up to your doctors and say, hey, can I just get an exemption because I don't want to get the vax? So I think that's what they're checking is that, okay, so you've got this exemption from wherever have you let's uh check the validity of it because it's a pretty rare occurrence and you know he's he's been on the record as saying some very wild things in the past so you know all all the eyes were sort of put straight on him when this came out and the speculate and this confirmation from avl at motorsport.com who's been leading the reporting on this um it's uh, going to make for some interesting reading and of course in true race talk style it's going to be resolved the moment that this podcast drops yeah by the time you listen to this it will be sorted there is absolutely no doubt about this no doubt at all because that's how we roll this year yeah look it's a massive it's a challenge isn't it and um i hope i hope honestly i hope it's sorted in dave's favor because the sport's a better place with him in it he's he's completely and utterly crazy and we love that about him so but it, it yeah raises a lot of questions and and i like the fact that it's New South Wales are being very, very serious. You know, there a lot of eyebrows raised when they were the first state to to take the chains off, weren't they? When we all opened up after the the whole massive wave that they've had on all the lockdowns and everything. So it sort of shows that they're pretty serious about making sure that no, you know, no jab, no play yep. for everything, which I think is a positive from a health standpoint. So from a an an ethical standpoint, if Dave, who is the driver in question here, allegedly, if he doesn't want to get a vaccine, that is entirely his prerogative. That's fine. That that's it's his life. He can live it how he likes. But there's certainly going to be scenarios which will rule him out of driving racing cars in New South Wales. And and if he can't drive at Sydney Motorsport Park, he won't be driving at Bathurst either. Um, and then I don't think there's going to be many states next year that will let you in unless you've got. A double jab. Yeah, no, you're pretty much right. Other news today coming out is that uh, Jane Najada is going to partner Zane Goddard at Bathurst. Of course, uh, Jaden had his first drive in a supercar at Bathurst last year when he was part of the Gary Rogers Motorsport wildcard entry. It's a nice little uh, duo there. So what it means, Shebex, is we've got first and second from the unbelievable Super 3 championship that was 2019. We're just this the one of the better racing series I've had the pleasure to call yeah. for a year. Uh, first and second from that championship will be on the grid at Bathurst, which I think is pretty cool. I like that. Good I stuff. mean, Jaden's got to bounce back from what happened last year because he drove it into the fence three times yep. on separate occasions, which wasn't great. You know, when you're a rookie, when you're a young player, you just want to fly under the radar, especially when you're in a Matt Stone racing or you're in a wild card. You're not going to become a hero, are you? Like you're better off just sort of. Well, they, they, the well, no, but a Matt Stone racing car has the potential to be a very, very good mousetrap around there. It's a triple eight Commodore, and yeah. we've seen MSR pop up in top ten shootouts this year. So I think that adds to the pressure mark because they may roll the thing out in practice one, and Zane Goddard might whack the thing in the tent. And all of a sudden you go, oh, hang on a minute. (laughs) They've got a decent little jigger under them. They might be able to jag a result. So that'll just add pressure, won't it? But then if he goes out there and fences it again, what does that do for his career? You're 100%. 100%. It just just adds the pressure. The thing is, I feel for all these Super 2 guys at the moment because like Brock Feeney, he's getting chucked in there. Here Mm. you go. Here's the keys to the best car in the field next season. And they're so underdone. They've had so few miles and experience in these last two years, it's 
really tough job for these guys mm. having to step up to the to the main game. So yeah, hopefully they all do very well and and show what they're capable of. I wonder if there's an argument that we need more rookie days. Hundred percent. And and if if not, if only for next year. Based, based on the scenarios and of COVID and the fact that Super 2's only raced, what, they raced three times last year. They've raced three times this year. They'll get five rounds in. So seven race meetings when usually they'd have 14 or 15 in two years, yeah, but, plus the associated testing. But banging around QR is one thing on a test day and that battle hardness of going out there and racing in a competitive sure, field. Sure, but there's no know. way to cure that though, is there? Yeah, that's like, right. This is the scenario that everybody's in, but but there's so many drivers in that boat that like there's mm. guys in Carrera Cup, Cooper Murray, who we had on the show a couple of weeks, who's gone to Europe to run in the shootout with six Carrera Cup race meetings in eight, in twenty months under his belt. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just could one they, of those things. Could they not have a test day at Bathurst like during the Bathurst six hour or something like that? I don't think it's just those drivers. Nah, it's not Bathurst. It, it's. No. It's, it's just getting like, in the car. It's just it's yeah. it's racing times. Not as Mark said, it's not even just banging around on a test day. It's actually the the elbows out racing, the starts, yeah, you know, the turn ones, the stops, those things that are what really brings it up to a driver. But I I think with that though, there, there'll be we'll look at Feeney next year and go if he has a couple of absolute barriers, which is likely, we'll look at that and go look. He gets a, he probably gets a pass, and I'm sure the team's in the same boat. That you go, you look, you get a pass mark because you get, you know, we'll let you off with a couple of these because we know you're coming into this properly green, but, but because a, of circumstance, and that's yeah. exactly it. Exhibit A, those two Erebus boys, they're rookies this year, and look at them on the weekend. The look difference there is though, Will Brown is coming off four straight years of Super Two, yep, and Brody, well, Brody's just done heaps. Yeah, and was in a car every day at Norwell and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, look, challenging scenarios, no doubt. But everything with COVID's got an asterisk next to it, doesn't it? And that that's gonna we're gonna feel the effects of that for a couple of years, for the lack of racing we've had for every other category except supercars for the last two seasons. Hundred percent. Yep. And speaking of challenging scenarios, I love talking to you guys. So it's always challenging when I have to say <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Great. That's one of your better segues. Won't lie. That's not bad at all. Uh, Looking forward to this weekend. Don't forget to check out the Doric Power Rankings. Thanks to Doric. Uh, Go to doric.com.au slash shop and put the promo code TRT into that when you are checking out, buying some windows and doors and hardware products, and you'll get 25%. 25% Shebex. Jeez. I know you I'm, love a deal. I'm, a I'm big, just spewing because I've already finished. I just finished the shed, so I'm spewing. Well, I'm with some you tools. see, you should have waited. Knock this has been in the pipeline since February. Knock it down. Start again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the, we, Tommy and I met in February about this this year, so this has been on the on the cards for a while. Um, yeah, 25% off. Uh, we uh, really thank Doric for their work, and we thank Tom for strategically placing himself in the back of many shots in the TV coverage on the weekend. Hashtag Doric guy. Of course, that's Tom Archuli. Well done. Well done. The, the other thing too is we've still got some good memes up our sleeve for this weekend. So yes. make sure you tune oh, in for those power rankings. And the other thing, check out the Race Talks TV guide because we've uh, listed the NASCAR race, the mm. finale from Phoenix, which should be an mm. absolute barnstorm uh, Monday morning after the Formula One race in Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, so get your split screens going because the Grand Prix mm. starts half an hour before the cup race. So the cup race will be going for hours afterwards. Yes, it, so. it will. And then the boxing match afterwards will continue <laughs> on. You'll still be watching at 2 o'clock, which is excellent. Look forward to it. All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. And we'll catch you next week too right here on The Grid.